and a good Friday morning to you. Welcome to Mining Stock Daily and our Friday morning in-depth interview as we head our way into the weekend. This is your host, Trevor Hall. Thank you so much for tuning in to all the episodes this week uh, and, uh, you know, throughout the month as we wrap up April. We have wrapped up April because I guess it is May 1st. How about that? Uh, we've had a lot of great interviews, but we are going to do two more today. I have an interview with Marcio Fonseca, who's the CEO of GR Silver. Talks a lot about the Plumosis project recently acquired from First Majestic. And then we also have a little open commentary from our co-producer for Mining Stock Daily, Mr. Dave Kranzler. Denver Dave, as a few of us like to call him. He talks to give it, well, he gives a little bit of insight and education into the COMEX uh, first notice operations, which happened Wednesday night into Thursday. And uh, we recorded that interview Thursday morning. And um, right after the uh, after the gold and silver dropped inexplicably, uh, if you about 10 bucks on gold and I don't know how much on silver, but we kind of called it for what it was, didn't we? Uh, so I had a little bit of technical problems with that interview, actually. So I'm just going to leave it to Dave to uh, break it down, his break down his knowledge and what's happening. And then he also discusses the Monero Alamo Santana news uh, that came out yesterday morning as well. So uh, it will be worth your listen for sure. We'd like to thank our sponsors. That includes now Rio 2 Limited. Integra Resources, Western Copper and Gold, and Corvus Gold. Thank you so much for your continued support of Mining Stock Daily. You can always visit miningstockdaily.com for a list of all the archived interviews and some transcripts there as well. Uh, Thank you so much for that. So we're going to move it on to my conversation with Marcio. Have yourself a great weekend, everybody. Feel free to drop me a message if you like. Trevor at clearcreekdigital.com. Take care. Be well. And we are back here at Mining Stock Daily, and now I am happy to be joined by the CEO and President of GR Silver, Mr. Marcio Francesca. Uh, Marcio, it's good to join you, and uh, welcome to uh, Mining Stock Daily for the first time, because we have a lot to cover, and I know uh, GR Silver has been uh, very busy the last couple months since acquiring the Plumosis Project in southern Mexico. I am, I, uh, well, mainly, but sorry, south southwest Mexico. Uh, I do want to talk to you about the Plumosis in, in due time, uh, but first, I, let's get a quick update from you. Yep as the CEO of a, a silver company about the status of silver right now, specifically the status of silver exploration in Mexico. Uh, has there been any uh, updates on getting back onto the ground and, and Mexico opening up its exploration and mining uh, mining endeavors since uh, COVID? Uh, I have not heard any update about, about the large, big mining companies, silver mining companies coming back to the operations to mine and produce silver. And I believe this is going to impact a bit of the balance between demand and supply and likely to have some impact on the silver price in the near near future and short term. Uh, I believe it might be eased by the government probably in the next month. In our case, just to make clear, we are a resources stage, development stage company. We are not mining at the moment, but... We are located in a very privileged situation that the project is not close to any big town, any mine operation. There's no cases of COVID-19 there. 
And we are drilling, we are doing underground development, we are working on site because most of the employees are locals. They are not flying fly out, they are not bringing things to the region. And the, the geologists are very live close nearby. And we have some drill rigs and we can operate respecting the social distancing. Yeah. Well, you are very close to Mazatlan there. And uh, so I'm sure uh, getting getting help there isn't a problem. You are developing the Rosario Mining District. And uh, before we kind of talk about some of these uh, projects there in the district, I do want to ask you, uh, I was curious, back in December, you rebranded the company from Gold Play Exploration to GR Silver. And just kind of curious what the reasoning is behind that branding move and marketing move? Uh, from the early days when a group of investors who have been successful in Mexico, including myself, which I was heavily involved in the Silvercrest Mines uh, transaction from the beginning until we sold to First Majestic for $150 million in 2015, we have been looking for a, 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 a mining district that would offer the ability to consolidate concessions and be a more silver, gold, but mainly silver, advanced stage company. We came across a company in Gold Play. We had investment there as individuals, and we invested more money, took the company public, and in, in, uh, immediately after going public in 2018, we bought a silver asset, San Marcial, where we increased the resource 60%. Today, we had 40 million ounces of silver there, potentially open pit low strip ratio, very attractive project, not many open pit silver projects in Mexico. And more and more silver became predominant as commodity in our inventory of ounces. And with the execution of our letter of intent with Promosis, it was a no-brainer to really rebrand the company, bring silver as a middle name and GR as the first name in mining as a company because we are, were buying a past producer site, Promosis was a mine. And G stands for Grand and R for Rosario to honor the district that goes back 350 years of production of silver and gold from the Rosario mine that today is controlled by Fresnillo, but it's just an exploration project. Uh, we have seen a lot of movement into the in this district and actually outside the district, further up north too. Uh, companies like Visla Resources have definitely moved into the air and been able to consolidate a small portion of their land. You've GR Silver has had plays in there for a few years, and you mentioned Fresnillo a couple of times. Obviously, a big player in the area. I'm just curious uh, to get your thoughts on: Is there more opportunity for further consolidation and uh, picking up more land from these from these players in the uh, district here? Uh, as I said, as you said before, we started early on before many companies, so we were able to consolidate and acquire at low cost the key concessions in the Rosario Mining District. And important to say that other than the recent acquisition of Promosis and some concessions very strategically located near or inside the Fresnillo Exploration Project, we have exclusivity until December to acquire a large position in the Trinidad Project, which will be a situation where we are going to control the most important. Today you have almost all of them, silver, gold, resource stage, development stage, silver and gold projects in the area. Not many left. I think we have acquired the most important ones today and we are in a good position, I would say so. Do you think we are moving into somewhat of a, uh, 
uh, a highlight in a time for Mexican gold and silver? Because I would almost argue about two years ago, Mexico as a jurisdiction was maybe not as sought after as it is today. Of course, the precious metals market is much different now than it was two years ago. Uh, you know, but I think there was some time when the when the new Mexican government moved in after the election that there was some concern. But it feels like that has been put to ease. Do you care to comment? Uh, I I believe you are right. Initially, everybody was a bit really worried about uh, the more left-oriented aspect of the government, the social aspect. It's important to think about supporting communities that I think is very important, and we employ a lot of people from the local communities nearby us. But Mexico has been, and I believe it will be, one of the key mining countries in the world for a long time. Mexico is the largest silver producer in the world. The largest silver company, Fresnillo, is based there. Most of the assets are there. I think there will be some potential changes in relation to taxation and how this might affect a project or not. Time will tell us. Uh, but the key point is to find high-grade silver and gold assets because they can really survive any cycle. It can be political and it can be economic. So let's move over to Plumosas, because obviously that has really gained some attention in the last few weeks. Uh, Plumosas was the silver project which you acquired from First Majestic. And it turns out that there were some historic uh, drill data that was never actually shared outside the confines of those companies until recently uh, when you have released that data. Um, you know, Can you please just kind of walk us through what it took to acquire Plumosas, and then how much of that data did you actually see before, um, you know, be, you know, before, before you publicly released that just in the last couple of weeks? For sure. We signed a letter of intent to acquire the project in December after we were invited by First Majestic to look at the Plumosas and all the other concessions nearby. As they moved most of the operations, I believe, to all the employees, geologists, to concentrate on Sandimas, and Plumosas became an encore asset for them. We closed the deal last March, and for three months, we spent a lot of time looking at all the data, not only drill holes, but everything that was done in the past by Grupo Mexico, because Grupo Mexico operates a small mine inside the concession. It's a big concession, 8,515 hectares, but the concession comes with a lot of investment and exploration probably close to $18 million, U.S. million dollars, in exploration, including drilling, aerial geophysics, showing that not only we have six areas that can be, can progress towards resource definition very quick. Why? Because these areas have on average, on average, 100 drill holes each, which make close to more than 500 drill holes in total. But also, outside of these areas, we have close to 16 exploration targets where we know we might have some veins creating a potential district-scale, multiple vein system and allow us not only in the next 6, 12 months to be defining new resources in each one of these six areas, because we have a look at the real holes and we understand and we are validating as you, you do a news release that probably one-third of the holes were drilled in 2016, 17, and 18 by First Majestic, compliant with all the protocols of 43101, but two-thirds were drilled by Group of Mexico until 2001, when they shut down the mine. But when they shut down the mine, we got some records, historical reports that said that they had left some reserves, probably for five years, but those reserves are not 43 compliant. We are looking at those. 
So we are integrating for the first time everything in a software, doing a 3D model, and aiming to do a resource and be compliant 4301 for the first time. So it's it's interesting, and I know that when it comes to junior mining and following junior mining, that the major mining companies are prone to make big mistakes and mistakes by having excellent assets in the ground that they are just willing to get off their books. And this, and the Plumosis, you know, from a cover seems like one of those stories where a company like GR Silver has been able to come in, acquire the project and make it better uh, after that acquisition. Um, and Marcio, I, and I'm just, I, you know, I'm looking at some of these numbers and I'm just looking at um uh, the uh, the headlines from these news releases uh high grade drill results from plumosis three and a half meters at 2930 grams per ton silver equivalent including uh, about half a meter at thir- over 13000 grams per ton silver equivalent uh we you continue to find more data here high grade drill results at plumosis one and a half meters at 26.9 grams per ton gold i mean this is just unbelievable anybody who would have these drill results and not necessarily push them forward just boggles my mind i am just kind of curious like how, how, when you stumble upon this I mean, how how big of a smile did you have on your face when you were able to sign that paperwork and get this data and release it to the world? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I was really happy because it was the consolidation of a business plan where we, from the beginning, from the inception of the company and when we took the comp- comp- public, was to create one of the leaders in this mining district. And we knew that would be a very special acquisition. More uh, happy because we were invited. It was a vote of confidence in First Majestic based on how much they know about the management because the management was heavily involved in the transaction when you sold to First Majestic the Santa Elena mine in 2015. So they know the capabilities of management. And they've been following very close, I believe, how successful we've been to with Samarcial. When we bought Samarcial, we bought it had... 23 million ounces of silver. Nine months later, we defined 40 million ounces of silver with very cost-effective way. And always following a very strat- uh, clear strategy about low-cost acquisitions. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, you have a very aggressive timeline uh, that you are projecting here over the next two years. Uh, yeah. You know, by 2020, 2021, you want to take this district and tar- you're targeting a resource size of 120 million ounces of silver. Um, you know, given the challenges we're here with COVID and uh, and having to maybe that work not necessarily halted but definitely slowing down. I do you think uh, do you think this work uh, the these these goals for 2021 are, are still in place or uh, maybe they were a little too aggressive. Uh, I would acknowledge it's aggressive, but I'll explain why I believe it's doable. First of all, the 120 million is a, is a potential target. Why we came to that number? At Samarcial, we have a zone that's 500 meters long, 52 drill holes, no more than 250 meters deep. We got 40 million ounces, potentially open pit. Uh, grades that goes 250, 300, or even more silver grams per ton. That correlates probably almost close to three to four grams per ton gold equivalent for an open pit. But at Plumosis, we have six areas with probably 100 drill holes on each one of them. Same strike length. And now we need to put all together. Other thing that's important, why we believe is doable. 
we are not going to drill. Maybe we need to drill a couple of validation holes and we own drill rigs because we bought some to be more effective. We are not anticipating the pandemic and you have local drillers that can help us to take samples. Work three or four with social distance at the drill rig. We are drilling as we speak in San Marcial. We are doing underground development at San Marcial because they are using local contractors and you have geologists working there because they are all Mexicans from nearby. So the bulk of the work in the next six months, 12 months, is going to be to put all this data into a software, do the modeling, compile all the information, and run the estimations. Because the 100,000 meters of drilling has been done. Mm -hmm. If you are going to drill that, it would take at least two years, in my opinion. Okay. Well, let me just take it that way. So you're looking... Two years, and then it's still pretty aggressive, and it's good to hear that that answer. But you do only have two million dollars in the bank right now, according to your latest uh, yeah. release, and so obviously so, there's going to be a need for cash. How exactly do you go about the next two years raising that money? Uh, we have a solid shareholder base. We have likes of First Majestic. We like we have likes of resource funds such as Broad Asset Management. We have McKinsey. We have Swiss-based Pressure Metals Fund who are very happy with the evolution of the company, how we've been able to deliver every single milestone we told them we were going to do. So that's a, a, a way to access some capital, some people who are playing heavily in the mining industry now, in particular in silver and gold. Uh, of course, we if you're going to do a finance, you want to expect more higher share price to add value. And this is happening naturally, as you can see. In the last week, the volume and the interest in the company, the stock went from 17 cents to three weeks ago, hit 35. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you about this uh, this share ownership percentage-wise. And so I'm looking at this chart here. And, and just let me clarify uh, clarify for me, if you will. So when it says there, it says 45.5% is owned by resource funds. And is that just one, the, the one resource funds company or is that a group of companies? Uh I need just to correct that. is is a bit of the color on the diagram, but if you look, it's the 13.5 because it's very close to the 45.5. The 13.5 is what is owned by three resource funds. So the largest shareholder is First Majestic because we issued 17 million shares as part of the acquisition of the Plumosa Silver Project. We have a standstill agreement for two years in relation to takeover. No board seat and. They have the shares, and the shares are on the scroll with a well-defined release every quarter. All the shareholders here are management insiders, 15-2%. Everybody else, big companies like SSR Mining or Sunstorm Gold, they are equity investors. Okay, so that 45.5% is just your float? As a float. Okay. okay, I'm glad. To give an idea, in the last six months, five months on average, I would say that, probably... Cumulative, we have probably more than 55 million shares traded altogether. Okay. Marcio, do you mind me asking, how many shares do you own, and when was the last time you purchased shares, and at what price? The last time I purchased shares was probably two weeks ago. I've been, I bought in the market when I was out of really the blackout. You can see all filed. Until First Majestic uh, accept the offer and we close the transaction, I was the largest shareholder in this company. All shares bought and money invested in the company. 
Very good. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, you know, when it comes to this district and a lot of activity and bustle that's going into the Rosario Mining District, Marcio, the, my last question is, it seems like a really exciting time for this area, whether you, you're with with uh, GR Silver or one of the other companies uh, operating and developing in the area. Um, just give us your thoughts on where you think this district goes here in the next five years. Um. I see that there's an opportunity in the next long term, as you're referring to, that we are going to be able to bring to the audience the opportunity that we, as a company, control the district scale, multiple veins, not just one vein, many veins, because we have more than 30 kilometers of potential indications of faults that host vein at Plomosas, 16 targets to go and drill. And the district was in the early days, 20 days, 30 days ago, only perceived are more lead and zinc for production of concentrate with silver and gold as credits by Grupo Mexico. And they left a lot of silver and gold ore behind because if think about 20 years ago, uh, gold price was probably $290 per ounce and silver was $5 per ounce. And lead and zinc probably 50 cents per pound. But they didn't mine and they didn't even explore what would be probably 500 grams per ton silver or 800 grams per ton silver in my opinion and some grades and today is very common to find high grade veins in mexico you can see other successful stories in mexico such as silver crest metals where you can be uh narrow narrow but two three meters wide it's not 20 centimeters and if you have kilos of silver you can have a very attractive deposit yeah you certainly can you certainly can. Yes. Marcio, thank you so much for your time. We wish you the best of luck. I appreciate your time too. All right. Thank you. That's, Have a good day. That's Bye. Marcio Fonseca. He is the CEO of GR Silver. GR Silver trades on the TSX Venture with the symbol GRSL and also on the OTCQB markets in the United States with the symbol GRSLF. buy a COMEX contract, most of the longs that that um, buy a contract, take the long side, are just looking for a, a way to index the movement and the price of gold on a leverage basis. That's what a, that's what a future enables you to do, right? I mean, I guess you could kind of do the same thing by buying call options on, on uh, GLD, but you wouldn't quite get as much leverage. And then for every contract month, there's there's a, you know, a first trade date, a last trade date, first notice date, first delivery date, last delivery date. Uh, if you're long a COMEX contract, now the, fir the first notice date is, is the, the day, which is the first day that the counterparty to your long position is entitled to notice you, serve you notice that they're going to deliver. Let's just go with one contract to keep it simple. A hundred ounce gold bar. And going into first notice, 
if your account needs to be funded enough to take delivery of that gold bar or um, you'll get liquidated. <clears throat> so presumably contract longs that are that are still standing at first notice and the notices can actually start going out the evening before the official first notice date. So for instance, uh, today is first notice date for May Gold and notices the party that's short the contract can start issuing notices the evening before the official first notice date, if that makes sense. So presumably if you're standing long going into first notice, more than likely you're looking to take delivery. Now that that's not always the case. And if you if you're in the notice period and you haven't been noticed yet, you can you can sell the contract for cash. But go but even if your intent is to sell it, you know, you want to ride the price a little bit longer before you sell it. If your intent is to sell it, you still have to be funded to take delivery of that bar. So in other words, you have to pay up front in order to receive that bar. It's kind of a safety measure to prevent <laughs> reckless retail traders from from going long into first notice, being noticed, and not and not having the cash to take delivery. So what's what's kind of interesting, and I'd have to really go back and look at a lot of years of data, but uh, May is is not considered a front month, so it's not an active contract month. It's not an active delivery month. Um, I, I don't know how they, how the the front month contract. So June, for instance, is a front month. It's the most liquid contract, um, and it's it's the most heavily owned and heavily traded. Has the highest open interest. I have no idea what the genesis is of determining the front months. I've always meant to look into the history of it, and just never gotten around to it. But what we've seen over the last basically two and a half weeks is that all of a sudden the open interest in the <clears throat> May contract went from under 3,000 contracts to as of yesterday if the preliminary report is accurate and sometimes it changes there's over 8,000 contracts standing for May delivery and I, I, I again I, I it's hard for me to ever recollect seeing a non-front month build its open interest like this going into first notice and so what it indicates to me presumably is that those particular people that are or entities that are that are long going into first notice for may want to take delivery of the bars and if it's eight thousand contracts it's eight hundred thousand ounces of gold relative to the inventory that the comex is representing that's sitting in vaults it doesn't sound like a lot, but there's been a lot of indications that the COMEX doesn't necessarily have all the gold available that it represents having available. And there's been, I mean, plenty of people have written about it, including myself. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, last night, it looks like a little over 1,800 delivery notices went out. And um, if, if all 8,000 contracts turn out to stand for delivery, I personally think it's going to put upward pressure on the, on the spot price of gold.
usually have it. There hasn't been much news on Monero recently, and I'd have to go back and find which mining stock journal issue it was and look at my notes. But I remember kind of doing some back of the envelope numbers on on really both their mines, and the uh, and I was emailing back and forth with the CEO Doug Ramshaw, who, by the way, is is one of the straightest shooters that I've run across in, in this sector. And I was, so I was emailing back and forth and, and I was, you know, at the time the stock was probably trading at 15 or 16 cents. And, and I, I was like, Doug, am I doing my numbers wrong here? But if I run this out to, to your, and he, again, he, a lot of mining companies like to show kind of hockey stick projections on, on the ramp up in production, et cetera. And he's he's always understating, and his philosophy seems to be kind of, you know, under under forecast and pleasantly surprise the market, which I think is a smarter way to do it. And I was like, you know, if, if I just take your base case, this stock is is got to be worth at least you know forty or fifty cents. If I take the upside case, I mean, this the, the stock is easily worth five to 10 times where it's trading, depending on where the price of gold is when it gets to, when you get to that point on the production curve. I mean, it, it looks like now that the market is finally starting to, to recognize some of the things that I was seeing in the name. This was probably in the middle of last summer is, is when I had this kind of epiphany on, on Monera. And another factor that's gonna play into this is that once they're up and producing, their cost of production is going to be a lot lower than was originally envisioned in their in their valuation model, right? Because the cost of energy has come down so much. So it, it's like the margins on the gold that they, they produce and sell are going to be huge. It's going to be that way across the in industry. But, um, you know, when you when you take a stock like Monera, it's you know it's undervalued now in my opinion intrinsically versus versus its its intrinsic value. I mean there there's still a, an explosive upside ahead in this stock in my opinion. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein.